I'm thankful uh, that y'all are here today. Y'all happy to be here? Hey, before, before I start preaching, uh, we've got an important event this coming Saturday night called an auction. How many of y'all are aware of the auction? How many of y'all know you can't have an auction if you don't have any items to sell? All right, it's just going to be a gathering. All right, we need more than a gathering, gathering Saturday night. We need an auction. So um, I know we've been asking the folks to please bring items, please bring items, and not many items have been coming. And I pray this is going to be the week of breakthrough for items for the auction. This is to help our revival. Paul White will be here about three weeks. That's hard to believe, isn't it? He'll be here in about three weeks to uh, bring the gospel uh, from a whole different angle and just an anointed man of God. I don't need to give an intro. Y'all have heard him, and uh, it's exciting. But I want you to uh, be encouraged today in knowing that um, it's a God thing, and uh, the Lord's bringing him for a reason and for a purpose, and that purpose and reason is you. And so I want to thank you all for whoever has brought things so far. Thank you. And if you haven't, um, please try to make an effort this week to get a business to contribute an item for the auction. And we would thank you highly, okay? Um, let's see. Wednesday night. We've been having a great study on Wednesday night. This coming Wednesday night, I'm going to be doing a teaching. Uh, the specific topic is um, why we should be specific in what we believe why we should be clear in what we believe you know it's funny in, in the south people invite you for dinner and they're talking about lunch now i grew up in florida it was just it was just breakfast or lunch or breakfast lunch and dinner or supper but dinner and supper were your night meal so when people say hey will you come over for dinner i'm thinking sure six or seven they're looking at me funny they're going no noon you know, that you got to be more precise and select in what we speak as a believer. So Wednesday night is going to be pretty much about that, okay? It's about we've got to know and speak what we believe clearly so that a world who does not understand will, okay? So I want to encourage you to come back Wednesday night. We have a meal, 6.30. Looking forward to y'all being there. Um, and now I'm ready for some word. How about y'all? Last week I brought forth the word about um, uh, pretty much just anxiety and fear, being anxious and being fearful. If y'all remember that, uh, say amen. I pray that it rattled in your brain this week, that it helped you in a mighty way. God never designed for us to be fearful. God never designed for us to be under any realm of anxiety. God's desire is that each one of us would be free in him indeed. Right? And his love came to reveal that to us. I want to... um Start out with a verse found in Hebrews chapter 2, verse 14. It was one I mentioned last week, but I want to read it again. Verses 14, 15, and then I want to address the topic once again of why new covenant believers fear death. All right? For, so, for as much then as the children are partakers of the flesh and blood... He, Jesus also himself likewise, took part of the same, that through death he might destroy him, Satan, who had the power of death, that is the devil, and deliver them, who is that talking about? All mankind. Deliver them who through fear of death were all their lifetimes subject to bondage. We talked about that last week, that the fear of death will put you in a state in your mind of bondage. 
you will feel like you're not free. And if you're not free, you won't receive the things that are free. See, we receive things because uh, we are now free. So we can go and we can receive the things that we have. But if you feel that you're bound to something, the chain won't let you get what's really yours. Law was given by Moses, but the Bible says grace and truth came by Jesus. Now, it's not a mistake that grace and truth are coupled together on the grace side. It didn't say truth and law came or were given by Moses, but it says truth and grace came by Jesus. The reason is the law cannot, are y'all ready? Reveal truth. Watch. Truth is Jesus. The law is only going to reveal how sorry you are. It's going to reveal your sin. It is the sin magnet (laughs) that God designed for a purpose. Law and truth do not couple. Remember what the Bible said? To know the truth, the truth will make you free. If the law was truth, then if I know the law, I've been set free. The law can't set you free. So law and truth were never linked together. However, in modern day religion, we've done just that. We have proclaimed that keeping the Ten Commandments is the truth. And if you do it, God's pleased. Well, yeah, God's pleased if you can do it, but we can't. (laughs) <laughs> that's why he was pleased with his son, because Jesus did. Woo, and that's the truth. Okay? Now, so Jesus brought to the new covenant believers true grace. See, grace was there when Abraham met God. Grace was there the day that Adam and Eve failed. Grace has always been, but Jesus brought true grace. There is a difference. You see, the Jews knew the law very well, yet they didn't know the truth. Because the truth was trying to tell them that the law was not the truth. (laughs) So as the truth, Jesus would say, hey, truth is not found in that. It's found in something else. Me. They rejected They rebelled, and they couldn't receive it. So why do New Covenant believers fear death? If we break God's law, the Bible says, for the wage of sin is death. How many times has that gone through our little recorder in our heads through our lifetime? The wage of sin is death. So if the wage of sin is death, no wonder believers fear death. Because we have sin. Okay? I have sin. Y'all got real quiet when I said we have sin. Everybody's like, not me. All right? I have sin. Okay? If y'all don't want to get honest today, that's fine. This message is for me now. Okay? I'm just going to preach to Barry. Where's a mirror? All right, give me a mirror. I'm going to preach for the next 20 minutes to Barry. Are y'all hearing me this morning? Y'all awake yet? Okay. Get this now. I want you to see this picture. If Jesus brought true grace to us, True grace was to reveal to us that the law is not truth. 
So the law, if it's not truth, that means that the law cannot make me free. If the law can't make me free and grace can, then why does a new covenant believer still fear death? And we do fear death. Well, I just told you that the wage of sin is death. So if the wage of sin is death, there's also something linked with that verse, praise God. But the gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ, our Lord. I want you all to realize something today, and that is that when grace was linked with truth, truth was to bring the new covenant believers in a whole different level of living. It was going to raise us above the standard of normal. That's why we're called peculiar in the Bible. We're aliens. We're peculiar people. We've been called by God uh, to do a specific work. And that work is to believe the truth, and the truth will, therefore, make you free. Well, how does it make me free, or what does it make me free from? Death. So I want to talk to you about this. Now, I know there's a question in your head because everybody always, if I ever say that uh, after the cross, and you all have heard me say this many times, after the cross, you'll never see the wrath of God poured out on people again. And then people always bring up, well, what about Ananias and Sapphira, buddy? Prove that one, preacher. What about Ananias and Sapphira? Here's this guy, Ananias, his wife, Sapphira. They're in the church. Uh, they mishandled with some money. Next thing you know, boom, they're dead, and they're buried outside the camp. And I've heard many of preachers preach sin in the camp. If you have sin in the church, you better watch out because I'm telling you, God's going to pour out his wrath and zap y'all. Y'all have heard that before. All right, I have, okay? I'm still preaching to Barry. I've heard that growing up. I've been taught that if you, there's sin in the camp, you better watch out because there ain't going to be no spiritual growth, no, nothing going on. Well, let me just ask you a question, okay? Uh, if there is no spiritual growth in a place where there is sin, how in the world did you get saved? <laughs> Let me ask a simple question. Y'all listen, simplify it now. How did you get saved? Because you were nothing but a sinner when Jesus loved you. And Jesus came to you and, it's, and something spiritual happened. And uh, uh, God was at work in a place where there is sin. So what about Ananias and Sapphira? Because that's what causes most believers to say, well, Brother Barry, I'll be honest with Sapphira. They, they, they were in the church, and it was after, after the cross. And, uh, man, they, 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 they were killed. Did you know that other than the Old Testament and Acts, there are about five or six types and shadows? Did y'all know that? In the New Covenant, in the New Testament, in Acts, are, are, there are types and shadows of what God is revealing to the New Covenant Church. I want to prove it to you. Are you ready? Go with me now, if you don't mind, to Acts. And uh, I want you to see uh, something important in this passage. There, the first passage I want to go, because there's two Ananiases in the New Testament. Ananias in Acts chapter 9 is the one I want to talk about first. Ananias in chapter 9 was the Ananias who God used to bring the message to Saul who was a, in that day, he was a terrorist for the church. He was a terrorist to Christendom. He believed in Judaism. He believed in keeping the, 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 all the, the 613 laws. Paul was a Pharisee of all Pharisees, or Saul. And Saul was a terrorist. He was going into churches and killing people. 
And God, that ought to give us hope that God can change ISIS's mind. Praise God. He can blind them like he did old Saul and make him a, a mighty apostle for the kingdom. You never know. Don't ever limit God. But watch this. So God goes to this man, Ananias. Go to Acts chapter 9, and let's read verse 10, all right? Acts chapter 9 and verse 10. And there was a certain disciple at Damascus named Ananias. And to him said the Lord in a vision, Ananias, he said, Behold, I am here, Lord. And the Lord said unto him, Arise and go into the street, which is called Straight. Isn't it amazing that that's where God turned Saul into Paul on the road that straightened him out? <laughs> okay. <laughs> and... <laughs> And inquire in the house of Judas for one called Saul of Tarsus. For behold, he prays. And he's seen in a vision a man named Ananias coming in and putting his hand on him that he might uh, receive his sight. He'd been blind now for three days. And Ananias answered the Lord, and he says, I have heard by many of this man by which evil has done your saints at Jerusalem. And here he is the authority of the chief priest to bind all who call on your name. But the Lord said to him, go your way. It was almost like Ananias was trying to say, God, are you really sure who you're sending me to? <laughs> this dude don't like your people, and I'm one of your people. Remember, he said in verse 10, he was a disciple. All right? Lord, I don't know if you want me to go. And God says, hey, go your way, for he is a chosen vessel unto me to bear my name before the Gentiles and kings and the children of Israel. For I will show him how great things he must suffer for my name's sake. Glory to God. What an awesome story. Now, that was Ananias. The name Ananias actually means this in the Greek. Ananias is Hannah and Yah. Hannah and Yah are the two words broken up. Hannah means grace. Yah is God, Yahweh. It's God's grace. Ananias means God's grace. Now, y'all got to remember that for a reason, okay? Now, uh, there were, y'all know how important names are and the meanings of names. I've been doing that for a long time as I preach uh, that, uh, you know, whenever uh, God spoke specific names like Zachariah and, and um, um, Elizabeth, when they had John the Baptist, the parents, um, the father's name went, meant remember, and the mother's name meant God's promise or an oath, that God would remember his promise and his oath, and so therefore he brought forth that child. So the names mean something. Well, here's Ananias, and his name means God's grace, okay? Now that makes sense, doesn't it? Because God sent his grace to meet Saul on the road straight, <laughs> and he's no longer blind, but his eyes were open. I once was blind, but now I see amazing grace. Okay, everybody with me. So we know that, that story, and we tie it in, but then there's also another Ananias. Let's go to Acts chapter 5, if you would. I'm going to read this story very quick because it's not long, and then we're going to discuss this, and this is going to explain maybe why believers in the new covenant fear death. Okay? Go to Acts Chapter, did you get there? Five and verse one. Here we go. But a certain man named Ananias, with Sapphira his wife, sold a possession and kept back their part of the price, his wife also being uh, privy to it, and brought a certain part and laid it at the apostles' feet. 
And Peter said, Ananias, why has Satan filled your heart to lie to the Holy Spirit and to keep back part of the price of the land? While it remaineth, was it not your own? And after it was sold, was it not your own uh, power? Why have you uh, conceived this thing in your heart? And you have not lied unto men, but unto God. And Ananias, hearing these words, fell down and gave up the ghost. And great fear came on all who heard these things. And the young men arose, wound him up, and carried him out and buried him. And it was about the space of three hours after that his wife, not knowing what was done, came in. And Peter answered unto her, tell me whether you sold the land for so much? And she said, yes, for so much. Then Peter said unto her, well, how is it that you have uh, agreed together to tempt the spirit of the Lord? Behold, the feet of them which uh, buried your husband are at the door and shall carry you out. Then she fell down straightway to her feet and yielded up the ghost. And then the young men came in and found her dead and carried her forth, buried her by her husband. That'll make a new covenant believer fear death. (laughs) Right? So we got to have an answer, don't we, church? We got to have an answer now, Brother Barry. That's after the cross. Come on now. There's something there that we got to know that it's there. Very important, right? So the study, <clears throat> the study of names is important. And what's amazing is that this name in this story also means grace of God. Ananias did not get his name changed in the Greek because he was a bad person or because he did not honor God. His name still meant grace of God. So that really puzzles a new covenant believer, doesn't it? I want to go first and do this, if you don't mind, okay? I want to go back because there are people who are going to say, um, well, let's prove it by Scripture, Pastor Barry, that they these guys right here were not Christians. They were not believers. I've heard some people say, oh, yes, they were believers. I'm going to let the Bible prove to you today they were not believers. Are you ready? Go with me to Acts chapter 9. Verse 36, if you would. Acts chapter 9, verse 36. It says, There was at Joppa a certain disciple named Tabitha. Now, did you all see the Holy Spirit, as he is uh, having the author write this, the Holy Spirit calls this person and there was a certain, let's read it again, a certain disciple named Tabitha, right? When we read that earlier about Ananias who met Saul, the Bible says there was a certain disciple named Ananias, did it not? But when it went to the other Ananias, it said there was a certain man. So maybe the Bible is going to show us that The way the Holy Spirit introduces these people, he's proclaiming whether they're a believer or not a believer. Let's go to another example. Go with me to Acts chapter 16. I just want the Bible to reveal to us so that it's not, well, Brother Barry thinks they're not saved. No, the Bible's going to clarify they weren't. You ready? Let's go to Acts chapter 16, verse 1. It says, then he came to Deborah and Lystra, and behold, a certain disciple was there named Timothy. Y'all see that? All right, Acts chapter 9 and 10, that's the one I just told you about Ananias. 
It says, and there was a certain disciple by the name of Ananias. So far, every time that he said certain disciple, the Holy Spirit reveals this, he introduces a believer. Now, let's go, if you don't mind, to Acts chapter 8, verse 9. Acts chapter 8, verse 9. Now, Ananias and Sapphira, what did it say? And there was a certain man, not disciple, right? Go to Acts 8, verse 9, please. But there was a certain man called Simon, which before the time in the same city used sorcery. Y'all seeing this? Didn't say disciple, it said certain, right? Go with me to Acts chapter 10, verse 1, the one we just read. Acts chapter 10, verse 1. Oh, we haven't read this one yet, I'm sorry, this is Cornelius. This is the one when Peter was going up on the roof, remember, and he got the vision. This guy was a, a Gentile who wanted to love God because he heard all the good things, but he hadn't met God yet. He hadn't met, he hadn't heard that Jesus came to redeem him, but he wanted so bad to be a part of what the Jews were experiencing. Here it is. There was a certain man in Caesarea called Cornelius. Y'all read the story. Cornelius ended up getting saved. Peter led him to the Lord. But before he was saved, it said there was a certain man. Are y'all seeing this? Go to Acts chapter 14, if you would. Let's look at verse 8. Acts chapter 14, verse 8. And there sat a certain man in Lystra, impotent in his feet, being crippled from his mother's womb, and never had walked. There's a certain man who, remember, got saved when my two brothers got excited about him and said, we ain't got no silver and gold, we ain't got nothing for you, but buddy, hey, get up and start rejoicing. Take up your mat and walk. You are, you know, sin no more. <laughs> You've been saved. But before they were saved, they were called certain man. Isn't it amazing how the Bible and the chap and, and Acts described either a certain disciple or a certain man? Now, if that's not enough evidence for you, let's go now and see the type and shadow of what God is revealing in the book of Acts to us in this story today. Now, before this was um, before this actually was studied out. I always used to wonder in my mind um, if it was a not a typo, but if if it was not clarified of why or how they died because just taking money. I thought, well, you know, hey, people have done worse than that and all of that. But I thought he's a God of grace. So where where is God coming from in this story? And so it stirred in my mind to think there has to be a type and shadow involved. Well, then, as I typed in type and shadows in the book of Acts, there's like 10 different type and shadows that God used in the New Covenant. I know the Old Testament, the Old Covenant, is all about type and shadow. But there were types and shadows. Paul, when he had a shipwreck, remember that? God used him in a mighty way. The men ignored his voice, and God still spared them and saved them. That's exactly what we did in the realm of Christianity. We ignored a voice, ignored a voice, and finally the Holy Spirit revealed to us what Christ did, and we're like, whoa, and many came and got in the boat and survived. Uh, there's many illustrations like that, but I want to take you down a road now, if you will, for a few moments, and look at a little deeper look at Ananias and Sapphira. You ready? Now, I want you to understand um, the, there are two other accounts of a certain man that's linked to a Christian. 
And in a moment, I'm going to go over them with you, and I'm going to show you so that you can read it with me, and you will see why it contradicts. Because some of y'all may go home, and you'll study this out, and you'll say, hey, Brother Barry, I found two more in there. It said certain men, but they were talking about the Apostle Paul, about two godly men. And you're, and you're, and you're saying that a certain man is one who's not saved. I will prove it in a moment. That's washed too, okay? So I know in case for some of you Bible studiers, Brother Bill, he always studies up what I preach. So he'll check that out and come to me Wednesday and go, hey, bud, let me tell you something. I found two of them. So I'm going to clear, clear your mind today, okay, Brother Bill? All right, for those. Okay, now let's talk about Sapphira. You ready? Sapphira, actually, the Greek word is sapphire. It's a stone. That beautiful bluish-purple stone called sapphire. In the, um, the study of Judaism, the rabbis would, uh, they had different uh, books of law, and in one of the specific books, it actually, uh, it's, called, it's called a Tamud, I think. It's T-A-M, Tamud. It's T-A-M-U-D. In the Tamud, it says that God etched the Ten Commandments upon, are you all ready for this? Sapphire stone. Now, the reason we picture it's granite or dark stone is because Hollywood put that picture in our mind. Go with me, if you don't mind, to Exodus chapter 24. Right before God writes the Ten Commandments, I want to show you something. You ready? Exodus chapter 24. Get this. (laughs) Go to verse 9. Then went up Moses and Aaron right the elders and they saw god of israel and there was under his feet as it were a paved work of a sapphire stone all in the same book of where the ten commandments came from but anyway if you don't want to believe that what the judaism that that uh that book i just told you about that is called a tamud tamud i do believe that's how it's pronounced Tamud, it actually says in, in one of their first chapters that the Ten Commandments were etched in the stones of sapphire. When that truth came forth, I don't know about you, but that got me excited. Do y'all realize what God's trying to reveal to us through the story of Ananias and Sapphira? What did Paul come against the church in Galatia so strong about? Y'all remember? Oh, you foolish Galatians. Why would he call them foolish? Corinthians was a foolish church. They were having sex outside the church doors. Corinthians was a foolish church, weren't they, Jerry? You'd think. Why was Galatian church the foolish church? Because they were letting the Judaizers come in, and they were saying, hey, it's okay to love on Jesus, but you've got to be circumcised. Mixture. They were taking law and mixing it with grace. Remember now, in Revelation, the Bible says, talking about your works, that God would bid, he bids that you be cold and hot, but not lukewarm. And if you are lukewarm, it says he'll spew you out of his mouth. It's talking about covenants. God bids that you are hot on fire. I mean, he he prays that you're full of grace where you need to be. But it's okay if you're cold too. What? God don't want us in law. He wants you in law by itself because law by itself will point you to a savior. There's hope there. 
So cold and hot's good. But when you mix them, you nullify them both. Nothing good comes out of it. The Bible even says that Christ is none effect to you. I believe that's Galatians 5. You've fallen from grace. How do we fall from grace? Because we try to justify ourselves with a law claiming that we're in grace. You cannot mix law and grace. If you do, God can't work. Now, let me just show you all something. You ready for this? Ananias, the grace of God, Sapphira, law, are married in the church. And what did God say he'll do if he sees mixture? Spew it out of his mouth. Because God designed law for a purpose to point you to a Savior, Romans chapter 3. Then he didn't just stop there, praise God. He, he also gave us grace. And so when it points us to a Savior, there's a Savior that will love us and to give us all the benefits of who we are in Christ Jesus. That was God's divine plan. But when they started mixing, God was giving us a type and shadow right there in Acts. He's saying, be careful, church of mixture. No wonder I believe we don't see the manifestations of who we are in Him. We have so much mixture, law trickling in, coming right on in to that water system like Decatur's water system. Can't drink it. We're all buying bottled water because mixture's going on. Mixture's not a good thing. Are you prejudiced, Pastor Barry? No, I ain't talking about skin color. I'm talking about covenants. Here's the power of God. Are you ready for this? When God established the new covenant, he said that I will write the laws upon your heart and mind. I will be their God and they shall be my people. It was always about I will, I will, I will. It was all about God doing it, you enjoying it. The law is all about thou shalt, what you do, so that you hope God will be pleased with you. So whenever you're mixing those two, you are doing nothing but playing a game of killing days of your life. The result of that, my church friends, is death. It's death. Prove it. Okay, let's continue to read the story then. Y'all read it with me? Acts chapter 5. Take this as a type and shadow. Look. If you continue to have mixture in the church, death will come. What kind of death are you talking about? Spiritual death, you're going to be nullifying the work of Christ in your life. How good are you as a Christian? Let's talk about this for a moment. How effective can you be if Christ is not effective in you? Zero. I cannot be effective as a Christian as long as it's just Barry. All I know is I'm glad that Jesus went to the cross for Barry. I go again. I'm so glad. I'm glad he did. <laughs> that song will be all over me all week. Thank you, Matt. Look here. We are, we are at a point, in, in a crucial point in, in our Christian walk right now. Because we've had so much law in the past that we, we find it in our pocket still every once in a while. We, we, we find, oh, I forgot about that. I still got a little bit. We've been so ingrained in it that when it's finally time to come into grace full, full blown, we, we find ourselves still being a little judgmental of others because of the way they dress or don't act. We, we, we find ourselves, uh, in the realm of law, even in the, in the state of music. 
Why don't he just sing all hymns? Because by golly, that's how I was raised, and that's, that's Christian. That's a good spiritual attitude, isn't it? Why in the world don't they do this around here? Why don't they do that around here? Listen, let that junk go. Let the grace of God start penetrating and changing your life. He came to persuade you that he's already blessed you with everything you need. If God's already given me everything I need, why am I still seeking for something I ain't got? See, watch. Do you know why we're critical of others? Because we really don't like ourselves. Sarcasm is the lowest point of communication. Sarcasm is for one purpose, to lift up the person who doesn't like himself. So he'll beat everybody else down so it elevates him. So we use sarcasm in church. It's bad. Brother Barry, I know you like that guy, but let me just tell you something. He ain't had a bath in two weeks. Well, then go buy him a bathtub and show some grace. Yeah, but you don't know about that dude. Now, I'm telling you, he's a swindler. He'll steal your money. Well, praise God. Maybe we need to sit him down and have a little class on how to budget so he ain't always empty-pocketed and looking for money. What's amazing is if we would take on the mindset of how God established us in grace instead of mixing that law in there, we're going to find ourselves so dead and wondering why we're not seeing anything manifested called what Christ came to do for us. Do y'all realize that everything that God requires of you, he's already put it in you? Do you know why? Because all that God requires of you is his son. And if he put his son in you, then you've already got what he requires. Woo, come on now. So the person you're talking about really has Christ in them, but you're looking at the stuff on the outside like the Pharisees when God's looking within at the heart and he sees a person who desires to know more about his love. Are y'all hearing this this morning? The reason that the modern day church in the new covenant realm is fearing death is because we're still dancing and flirting with law. It's the truth. (laughs) <laughs> man come on jesus <coughs> jesus came and took away the curse of the law for believers that ought to make you shout i'm just glad he did don't know why but i'm glad he did aren't you glad he did <laughs> Woo! i'm glad he did hallelujah man oh man so let's uh let's look at something here you ready <clears throat> man I am out of time, and I got another whole nugget. I may save this one for next week, but I'll tell you what I'll do. I will. I'm going to hold off. We're going to talk about Moses next week because, man, it links right in with this. But let me just show you all something. Are you ready? Lord, thank you. You and I who claim to understand the new covenant are coming into the new covenant. What I mean by new covenant is that we now are after the cross. We're living a life exactly what the apostle Paul says we have. It's Christ in you. You are empowered by him. You have his identity. You have a new identity in Christ. You are a new creature. You are seated at the right hand of the father. You have favor with the Lord because you are his own. He adopted you. Is everybody with me? That's who we are. We claim that's who we are. Yet we will allow one little offense to train wreck our Christian walk. One little offense, and it could be something so stupid. Do you know what that tells me? That our roots aren't real deep in grace. Because the Bible talks about a tree planted by the water. 
And it says that when the storms come, baby, it's going to stand. I don't know about you, but uh, my roots are in Grace River. They're in Jesus, the river that flows. Hallelujah. And so if I'm anchored there, then something's coming up through them roots called the sap. And the sap is the Holy Spirit who came to minister and to produce fruit in us. If a tree is nullified because it is mixing law and grace, you are producing zip. Actually, you don't produce it anyway, but the Holy Spirit can't produce zip because you all are too busy mixing your law and grace. You're why, hey, plant me over there. Hey, plant me over there. Hey, plant me over there. It's time that you get anchored in who we are in Him and realize there's some benefits if you stay put. Let's continue to read that story. Are you ready? Did you know that as soon as they got rid of law and grace being married, when mixture got out of the church, watch what happened. Are you all ready? Go back to Acts chapter 5. <clears throat> Man, this is good. Woo! Okay. Let's go to verse 11. Great fear came upon all the church and upon as many as heard these things. And by the hands of the apostles were many signs and wonders wrought among the people. And they were all with one accord in, in Solomon's porch. And of the, So watch here. Did you all see that? One accord came about when you finally got mixture out of the church. And the rest does not a man join himself to them, but the people magnify them. And believers were the more added to the Lord multitudes, both men and women. Oh, so here comes some physical growth now. Multitudes, it says. Y'all see that? Inasmuch they were brought forth the sick into the streets and laid them on beds and couches. Now they went out and they said, hey, bring the sick out here. Check this out. (laughs) That at least the shadow of Peter passing by might overshadow some of them. (laughs) Come on now. Are y'all able to see it? Look here. The manifested gifts that God put in us will finally come forth when mixture's gone. Look what's going to happen. They said Peter, his shadow would come by. There came also a multitude out of the cities round about Jerusalem bringing sick folks and them which were uh, vexed with unclean spirits and they were healed, every one. All of them. Woo! That's good stuff, man. Come on, church. Wake up and smile. Smell the coffee. Chew on something good. That's a good Bible cut right there. What the Lord is revealing to me and is showing us today is this, that we have feared death because we have still been judgmental, in control. Something of the old law is still in you. Let that thing go. Let it die. Let the marriage of grace and law be over and claim who you are in Christ to where grace and truth will rise and stand in you. Therefore, we will see one accord. We will see spiritual growth. We will see numerical growth. We will see manifested miracles coming forth. The Word of God's not a joke. It's the truth. God said it. I believe it. When God told Adam, who told you you were naked? Who told you that you could be effective if you're still in law? You can't be. You're just lying to yourself. Many people still in church do things because they want praise. That's law. If you're giving something to the church and you want it to be known, you're in law. I sound like Jeff Foxworthy now. If you're this, then... You're a redneck, you know. That's what he is. I just said, hey, I might do me a book on that. <laughs> You're in law. If you, <laughs> let's see, how, what's a good one I can come up with? No. Um, but y'all, y'all get this? 
Hey, if you get mad because somebody stole your casserole dish from the church dinner a year ago, you're in law. It's the truth. Why is that the case? Because you've been offended. Why are you offended? Because I'm still feeling about my feelings. It ain't about your feelings. You're dead in Christ. You're a new creation. The old man ain't got them feelings no more. Y'all seeing this? So our mindset changes. We walk out of here victorious today because we say, you know what? It's the God in me that matters. My mind, I'm thinking like God now. I'm no longer thinking like Barry. God is not going to sit there and be upset because you took his casserole dish. He probably gave it to you anyway. You ever thought about that? Well, somebody needed bless. I love when somebody loses something. They say, well, I guess they need it worse than me. Praise God. That's grace talking. Now, hey, if y'all think I'm above this, I'm not. People borrow stuff from me. It makes me mad, but it don't come back. And what I really get mad about is that I wasn't organized enough to write down who took it. So it's a double negative. But I need to let that stuff go. You know why? Because it was God's in the first place. So God will give me another one. Praise God. So I hope y'all are here today and you're getting a hold of this thing. Let it, let it just sink in. It's, I've always said it's like the old cucumber in the pickle juice. Let it start soaking in. You're a new creation. You're no longer a berry. You are Christ. You're Christ. You're a new creation. It's Christ in berry. That's what God sees. Now, does God still see you? Yes. God loves you and he cares for you, obviously. Jesus would have just stayed up in heaven and they said, forget mankind, it's not even have man. He loved you enough to save you. But if he loved you enough to save you, he also loves you enough for you to experience what he saved you from and what he wants to do through you. And we all hauled at the salvation to go, woohoo, I'm saved now. Now I'll get mad at some people and hold a grudge for a month and feel good about myself. Be careful of the Judaizers, folks. Be careful of the law. Be careful of any time. And here's, here's a good litmus test for you. Are you ready? Because you're saying, well, how do you determine if it's law or not, Pastor Barry, when it involves you? Can't say it any clearer. When you are disturbed by something and it involves you, you're in law. That's, that's that basic? You mean nothing should bother me? Jesus said, Offense will come, but woe unto the one who offends. In other words, it's, that's Luke chapter 17, verse 1, if you want to read it. What he's saying is this. Offense is going to come. People are going to be mean. Remember I taught you a couple of weeks ago, hey, look past their meanness and see the innocence that God sees in them. Because it's the law of sin and death at work in them, but you have the spirit of life working in you. The law of the spirit of life in Christ Jesus who can look past that law of sin and death and see somebody who is innocent in God's eyes. That's where God wants us. That's where the Lord's been keeping me in my study. I know that this has been radical, crazy preaching, but I'm, I'm, I'm telling you, church, you all want to see and be the new covenant church. God called us in Decatur to make a difference. The only way any difference is going to be made is when we are walking in grace and not in law. Law does nothing but cause a ruckus and dead ends and people getting mad and cutting themselves and all that crazy junk because they can't be happy amongst themselves and they can't do it. But grace will put you in a lifestyle that you're thinking different, looking different. You're going to act different. And most of all, <laughs> you're going to experience stuff manifesting out of you you've never seen manifest before. How many of y'all would love to see deliverance in your life today? 
you have some stuff in your life, man, you, you say, I'm ready for deliverance. Did you know that deliverance has already happened at Calvary? It, it, listen, God, God requires deliverance. He said Jesus came preach deliverance to those captives. He, he, he's provided deliverance. Deliverance is in you. But you keep letting somebody in the law church tell you, yeah, well, the reason you're doing that, brother, I'm telling you, is because you did this and you did that. But if you just ask God for forgiveness and then get out there and start plowing that ditch like I told you, God may, may just get rid of that deliverance for you or that issue with you. He'll deliver you. You know what? Jesus delivered us at the cross. The power of the blood of Jesus came to deliver anybody in captivity. New covenant believers, we should not be bound anymore by anything that we need delivered from we should be walking in freedom because we know the truth and the truth made us free praise god let's get there how many y'all ready to get there praise the lord hallelujah good god is good amen let's all stand this morning if you would i want to sing that song again all right i'm just glad he did how many of y'all are glad he did Woo-hoo! praise god all right well, Matt, lead us in that song. Come on, praise team. Uh, let's bow our heads. Father, you are incredible. Lord, you are you're amazing how you, you just make your word uh, just alive when you hide those little nuggets like that for us to find. Lord, I thank you that that was the greatest type and shadow in the new covenant. The Ananias and Sapphira were just the example of grace and law. And Lord, they were dealing with that right there in Acts. And you were revealing to them. What would happen spiritually if they would get serious? And Lord, as soon as you showed them that when law and grace is no longer a union, that grace will abound. We are no longer under the law. And so, Father, I thank you that you have given us that victorious life. And today, I'm looking forward to Grace River experiencing a spiritual and a physical union and one accord like never before. I'm praying for this body to get united, God, to come as one, to see that uh, there are people lost in this community, and God, we as a, a body are going to reach out to love them and encourage them and see the innocence in their life that they're bound by a law of sin and death. Lord, I'm looking for the day when this church not only gets unified, but God, that we start to see deeper spiritual growth like there in Acts. And not only that, but numerical growth. Lord, I'm looking for the day when the multitudes are flowing. I'm looking for the day, God, when we're going out into the hospitals and laying hands on the sick and every person in the hospital is getting healed by the power of the blood of Jesus. Lord, I'm looking forward to the day when the whole community and everybody is bringing people to us, as the Scripture said, hallelujah, because they realize that Jesus is life. He is the truth. Lord, thank you so much for this word. May we not forget it. May we just chew on it all week long. And God, most of all, I thank you that you did go to the cross for us, that we could experience a new covenant, a new life, a new creation, and an awesome, awesome position of seated next to the Father with you. In all this, I say thank you for your word in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Praise the Lord. Let's sing this song, all right?